Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. It was good to see so many of you here on time today. That was amazing and encouraging to me. <laughs> Our scripture reading this morning comes from Acts chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open them up to Acts chapter 11. Uh, Acts chapter 11 occurs after uh, Peter has had the vision on the roof that has told him to go uh, to the house of Cornelius and for the first time really to openly share uh, the gospel with the Gentiles. And so uh, people have heard about this in other areas that, that Peter has gone to share with these people and, and so he has to go explain what happened. So this is what we see in Acts chapter 11. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, surely not, Lord, nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So... If God gave them the same gift he gave us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. I've shared with you multiple times that uh, I am a big basketball fan. I grew up loving the Lakers. Um, this was the Showtime Lakers, Magic Johnson, Kareem, James Worthy, uh, those whole teams. I got to watch them, you know, win championships. Uh, but as a Lakers fan, it, there was one thing on the face of the planet that I could not stand. It was the Boston Celtics. <laughs> I hated them with an intensity that is just hard to even explain to you today. I stopped wearing green for a significant period of my life because green was the color of the Celtics. And if I ever met someone that was a Celtics fan as a child, it was assumed that we could not be friends because there are some divides that cannot be overcome. Giants-Dodgers, perhaps. 
Yankees, Red Sox. But the Lakers and Celtics, for me, was that divide. There was a very distinct problem within the early church. The Jewish people had always been the people of God, the chosen ones. Everyone else was not. And that group of people, the non-Jewish nations, were known as the Gentiles. And that encompassed, again, everyone in the world that was not Jewish and therefore not the chosen people of God. And even though Jesus had made it clear in his teaching to his disciples that they were to go out into the world and share the gospel with everyone, that they were to go and and share the gospel with everyone in the world, even Jesus, when he was here, shared the gospel mainly with the Jewish people, except for a few small exceptions. And when he sent his disciples out while he was alive, he told them, do not go to the Gentiles and the Samaritans, go only to the lost sheep of Israel. So now, here they are, starting these new churches, these new families, taking Jesus out, and there's a problem. Do we tell the people who are not the people of God, about Jesus. And no one really knows how to break the seal on this thing. So God does it for them. Peter had this encounter with God where God told him to take the gospel to the Gentiles and then he supplied Gentiles at his door to take him and go to their house and then He speaks to them, they receive the Holy Spirit before he's even done and before baptism, and Peter has this moment where he's like, well, guys, what was I supposed to do? God already accepted them, so I guess I had to as well. But there's a phrase in there that still kind of rubs me a little bit wrong, and maybe you saw it. The reaction was, so then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. It almost sounds to me, and this is just how I'm reading it, even a dog can have a good day, you know? It just sounds like, it just sounds like that to me. And it strikes me, as I think about this, that sometimes when it comes to the gospel and it comes to community and it comes to being family, that sometimes we are more interested or be more fascinated with who doesn't belong than who actually does. These kinds of people are not our kinds of people. The people that do these things are not our kinds of people. These people that look like this or do these kinds of things, these are not our kind of people. And could God be trying to convince us how far and why the gospel needs to go out, but we don't take it to the world because we have decided already who doesn't fit in and who wouldn't choose and who wouldn't be interested and who doesn't want it anyway. Prejudice, you see, is not just about race or economic status or gender. And we make decisions every single day over who we are going to share Jesus with and who we're not. Have you ever thought about that? We make decisions every single day about who we are going to share Jesus with and who we are not going to share Jesus with. 
We bring prejudice to the community of faith. But the core message that we have that lives in us, that we have to take to other people, is that God loves us as we are. God loves us as we are. He loves us even though we are prejudiced people. He loves us even though we fail and we mess up and we make mistakes. When we are weak, God makes us strong. When we know that we are failures, God lifts us up to victory. God is the overcomer of all things, even our prejudices. It's time for our kids to go to Children's Church and all that stuff. So if there are any children's still in here. Okay. So uh, we're going to start out this morning with an activity. Uh, You do not have to participate in this activity, particularly if you are using some sort of walker this morning, or you're welcome to stay in your seat. Um, uh, But we are going to uh, start out with something, and and I would really, I would love for all of you to participate, but you're going to have to pay attention, okay? So you can stop paying attention later, but for right now, you you have to pay attention. So I would like everybody who is going to participate in this activity to get up out of their seats and to just come to the middle. Just be somewhere in the middle of this aisle. Somewhere in the middle. Again, you don't have to participate. Somewhere, just somewhere up the middle aisle. You just, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you are in the middle aisle. You just need to be in the middle aisle. All right. Everybody in the middle aisle that is going to participate. Fantastic. All right, here we go. You ready? If you are a morning person, go to this side of the room. If you are a night person, go to that side of the room. If you are neither one, you can stay where you are. That's right, M-O-R-N-I-N-G. Okay. Okay. And these, these people here are just, what, what are you? Whatever. Okay. All right. Steve, can you turn me up, please? All right, so here's the deal. Now, you are a group. You are a group, and you are a tripod. (laughs) Um, So, now pay attention here, because this is where it's going to get tricky, and you're going to have to use a little bit more thinking, okay? Surf or turf. Now, if you are surf, head stay on the wall you're on and head toward the back. If you are turf... Stay on the wall you're on and move toward the front. Surf or turf? 
If you are neither, you can stay in the middle. If you're in the middle... Okay, so what, what is this group here? You're both. So, so turf moved down a little bit. Okay, so now, now we have, notice something because this is important. Now we have one, what are you? You're bo- so move with them. Move, but you got to stay on this wall. Move with, okay, but you, this is the, so we got one, two, three, Four, five, six, seven different groups based on two questions so far. All right. From this point forward, you're going to have to manage your own space. So I'm just telling you that. But, but you, you have to stay within the groups that you are currently in until you leave that group, but you have to stay somewhere there. Okay, ready? Mountains or beach? Mountains or beach. Within the groups you're in, you have to separate yourself, either by mountains or beach. But I need some clear separation, though. I need some clear separation. You are separate groups. All right, here we go. Are you listening? Okay, because again, this is the group you're in and you have to separate yourself from this group if you have differing opinions. Cats or dogs? You're still over here. And you can stand by yourself. You can stand by yourself, but you're still over here. If you are both, you can create a both, but we need distinct groups. All right. How many groups do we have now? Are you guys a group, or what are you doing? Yes. You're your own group? Okay. Okay. You were right. I'm a mountain dog. Right. Okay. Good. We're, you're with me. We're tracking. We're tracking on this here. Okay. Um. Hmm. Let's think here. All right. Are you ready? Ready? Here we go. Here we go. Truck or car? Truck or car? Truck or car. This is not what you have. This is what you would prefer. Truck or car. 
If you need more space, feel free to move as long as you don't merge with another group. You got to keep your group separate. All right. Ready for the next one? We're only going to do a couple more. <clears throat> Coffee or tea? Coffee or tea? Okay, good. Everybody, you got your you got your space? Coffee or tea? Good. All right, here we go. I'm I'm gonna drive you apart even further. Black or cream? Black coffee or cream in your coffee? Okay, here we go. Ready? Here we go. Ready? Vegetables or meat? Vegetables or meat? It, okay, let me ask this question. If you are still in a group with, some, with other people, raise your hand. Okay, so we've still got a group of people there. We've still got a couple of groups down here. Okay. If you are now an island, raise your hand. All right. That's, that's, what, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Okay. So here's, uh, just because uh, they're standing here and, and they seem to have some sort of... Can, so can, can you tell me, we're going to figure out what kind of people Nisha and Craig are. Okay. Um, so you are morning or night? We are nighttime. So you're night, surf or turf? Meat. S- turf. turf. <laughs> night, turf, mountains or beach? Mountains. Mountains. Uh, black or cream? Cream. 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 Truck or car? Truck. Truck. Cats or dogs? Dog. Dogs. Coffee or tea? Coffee. coffee. So you are a dog, coffee, truck, cream, mountain, turf, Night person. Good, good. Okay, I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see if I can drive them apart. Okay, because this makes me uncomfortable, to be honest. Uh, just can I just say that it makes me a little bit uncomfortable. Okay. All right, here we go. Sweet or savory? There it is. Okay, everybody can go back to your seats, please.
All right. <clears throat> I had a whole bunch more to you. I could have I could just gone all morning with this until you were, you know, dividing yourself into pieces. <clears throat> so here's what's here's what's interesting. We what do we know? What do we learn from that exercise? What do we know is true? We know that people are different and we know that people are diverse. So that's one sort of, that's a positive way to spin it, I think, that people are different and that we are diverse. Uh, There's another side to this, though, which is not everyone likes the same things that you do. I mean, that's a little more like negative. And you can even say something like, well, I don't prefer, I don't prefer those kinds of things. I prefer these kinds of things. The point is, there, is a diff- there are different ways to look at the differences that we have. True? Some of them we can appreciate and say, oh, I'm so glad that you are like this while I am like this. But sometimes within Christian communities, our differences become obstacles become things that drive people apart. And sometimes within Christian communities, those things are simply preferences. I like this kind of song and not that kind of song. I like this kind of preacher and not that kind of preacher. I mean, you all like me, so I know that's, you know, (laughs) just just imagine for a second that that that's a possibility. But sometimes the differences that we have can drive us apart. And I want you to know this, because you do, but because within the Christian community the issue is God, when we have differences, even if they are just preferences, they can be magnified to the nth degree and become something that is so important that we actually don't like each other anymore. I wish that were not the case. But it is the case. And it's not the case everywhere. It's not the case in every situation. It's not the case about every issue. But this church itself has gone through enough issues to know that when you make some choices, people are going to stay and some people will leave. And... That's just kind of the way it has always been within churches. Now, within the specific church and communities that we're looking at this morning, they had a much more serious problem. A really, really deep-seated issue. Because there had always been very clear lines between who was in the community and who was not in the community. In order to be a part of what God was doing, you had to be a part of his chosen people. Now, we remember that God chose people for a reason, right? Initially, who did he choose? Everyone. But that didn't work out so well. And then it didn't work out so well again. And then it just kept not working out. And so God calls one group of people out to be his and to be his people. And then everyone else 
They were not his people. The Gentiles, Jews versus Gentiles. And this distinction was a very serious one and a line that divided better than any we may know today. Because it was so clear. And it was so drawn out in a way that everyone understood what it was. So when the early church is starting, however, the gospel is going out to who? Jews first, but then to everyone. So now you have communities that are pulling together two groups of people that have never religiously associated with one another at all. They have lived completely different lives. Now, what are some other issues that are probably coming up within these communities? Um, well, there's a bunch. For example, as a sign of the covenant, Jewish men were circumcised. And this happened, generally speaking, at birth. The children were circumcised. It was the physical mark of the covenant that God uh, commanded for Abraham. But you're a Gentile, and you enter a group that is now Jewish Christians, and their understanding of covenant with God is that the mark of the covenant is being circumcised. So you're a 40-year-old man, and they want to circumcise you. Hmm. No, thank you. <laughs> really, really, it's, it's fine. It's fine. I'm okay. Uh, on the other hand, you're a Jew, and you understand that Jesus is the continuation of all that God has done, and you enter a group of Gentiles, and they say, this thing that you went through, this circumcision, doesn't really matter at all. It doesn't matter anymore. It's just great for you. So there's some hurt feelings here, right? Well, what do you mean it doesn't matter? This is who I've been forever. This is the mark of God. Are you saying that the entire history of God doesn't matter anymore? Are you saying <laughs> that you want to perform surgery on me so that I can come to Jesus? Issues. Issues. Uh, not to mention just the emotional and, and mental ones, right? Like, you've always been the people of God, and now anyone can be part of this? Where does your identity come from now? If you've always identified yourself in this called-out, set-apart, special way. So, these new communities are forming like this. These people coming together that don't have the same background. And this issue is one that Paul had to deal with uh, pretty much everywhere, everywhere he was. Uh, the book of Romans, for example, which was written to a church in Rome, but there were Jews in Rome. And in the book of Romans... The word Gentile is used 25 times. 25 times. In the rest of his, in, in eight other letters, the word Gentile is used 22 times. So almost 50 times in the teachings of Paul, he uses the word Gentile. And that's just counting that word. That doesn't count any inference to people who are not with God or anything else. That's just that word, which tells us what? 
within all these communities, these people who had different, were from different places, were having trouble coming together. They were having trouble coming together. You know, I like to think about it a little bit like when you have a baby for the first time. You know? You, uh, you know, Nisha was pregnant and she kept growing and we got gifts and we set up the room for Zeke and we did all this stuff and we're getting everything together and then right before the baby comes, what is the question that people start asking you? Well, yeah, I guess they do ask that question. Um, what? There, that's my girl. Are you ready? Now, see, this is a trick question. Because you know what they want you to say? They want you to say, yes, we're ready, so that they can laugh at you. <laughs> right? It's true. Because those who have had children before know that there is... N- Nothing you can do to adequately prepare yourself to bring this miniature human home. And as much as you think you know, you find out really quickly that you don't. I had this moment in the hospital with Zeke where it was like, I have to take him home now? (laughs) But you guys are doing such a good job. You're doing such a good job with him. It's okay. You have these communities that are like, they are preparing for something that is completely new. And even if they had all this time to get stuff together, the actual act of living together, coming from these different places, is difficult and hard. What do you keep and what do you throw out? What stays, what goes? What's important, what's not important? All of those questions matter. So how do you bring such different people together. We've talked often over the last several months about how the love of God in Jesus changes everything. And today's study actually is one of the better examples of this because, and this is good news for us, because Jesus literally changed who was in and who was out. And he changed it forever. He took the boundaries of who could have relationship with God and and he took them down. Now, before we get too uppity about it, we have to realize for some people this was great. And for others, this was really, really hard to swallow. So, let's take a look at what Paul has to say say to the church uh, about this particular thing. If you have your Bibles, we'll be in Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. Um, And we'll be starting in verse 11. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 11. Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who called themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, 
In Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. All right. He wants to remind this community of something. And who is he speaking to in this passage? He's speaking to the Gentiles that are in these communities. And he wants to remind them of something. That they have not always been in the place that they are. They have not always been in the place they are. So Paul spells out for them a little bit, let me remind you about where you were. Number one, you were the uncircumcised. And that name was given to them by those who call themselves the circumcision. It's a separating point. It's a point of pride for the Jewish people because again, circumcision is the physical mark of covenant with God. And it even became, <laughs> this sounds, you know, it almost sounds like a TV show or a band or something weird. You know, it's like they call themselves, we are the circumcision, right? <laughs> but you are the uncircumcised. Therefore, you are out. But what does being out really mean? Well, he says here, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God in the world. So before Jesus, what condition were the Gentiles in? What condition were they in? It tells us right there. They were not able to become citizens. They're on the outside. There's no way for them to get into this thing. And because there's no way for them to get into this thing, they're excluded from citizenship. They are foreigners to the covenants of the promise. All the wonderful things that God has said He would do, all the wonderful blessings that God has promised to pour out, they are not for you. They are only for them. And because you don't have this access to God through citizenship in Israel, you don't get the promise and you are without hope and without God. And there's no way for you to get it. There's no way for you to get it. You don't have the hope that God is going to overcome all the things of this world. This world is what you get. You don't have the hope that God is going to bless you and help you rise up amongst other people. You get what you get. Because you don't have the access to God to know God. So therefore, everything about Him is unavailable to you. That's pretty awful when you think about it in those terms. It's pretty awful when you think about the fact that the rest of the people in the world couldn't come to God at all. But, now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Jesus came on the scene and he changed this situation Entirely. 
and understand what he did, God is now available to who? Everyone. God is available to everyone. Everyone who is in Christ, they once were far away, but in Christ they have been brought near, which means now they have knowledge of God, access to the promises, and hope. Their life has been changed, people. Their life has been changed because Jesus has given them access to the most loving and wonderful God who wants to bless them and love them. And this is really good news for the Gentiles. Is it good news for the Jews? Well, at at best, it's tough news. Let's pick it up in verse 14. How does this happen? Well, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility." He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Okay, this is an interesting passage that we have here. But we need to understand, again, what Paul is trying to tell us. Number one, he says that when Jesus came, he brought something with him. What did he bring? He brought peace. Okay? The, the word for peace in Hebrew is the word shalom. Um, and shalom means more than just like an absence of hostility, uh, like an armed truce. It, it instead, it, it means well-being and security on every level. So... When we come to know God through Jesus, we receive peace. Why do we receive peace? And what kind of peace do we receive? Well, we've been reconciled to God, so we've been far away from God, and now we're brought to Him. And what does that do for our lives? We're now living with God where we weren't before. And there is a fullness and wholeness and peace that comes from that. But that's not the only kind of peace that we receive. He also breaks the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And how does he do it? By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. I can only imagine how difficult that particular line must have been to the Jewish people in these churches. Because what does it seem like Paul is saying? That the law doesn't matter anymore. Which, that's a problem. That's a problem. Because the law has been the defining, this is how you live. It's part of what makes you Jewish. This is how you live. So is Paul saying that the law doesn't matter anymore? It's not what he means. Instead, what he's trying to say is this. The law 
existed to set you apart from everyone else. Following the law of God was part of what made you his people. It's the reason why you have it. It's his law. It's how he wants you to live. You live this way. You are his. Other people are not living this way. But you are. And instead, this power of the law to separate has been undone by Jesus. Do you see that? The power of the law to call one small group of people out has been taken down by Jesus. So that this barrier that divided them is no longer there. And instead of there being the chosen people and the Gentiles, now there is a new category. There's a new category. What is that category? Christian. Disciple of Jesus. Follower of Christ. It is a new group. He says here, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. And understand what he's saying here. He's saying you were divided, but through the cross... That division has been done away with. The barriers are gone. And through the cross, you are all brought together as one new group of people who are tied together not by their history with God or their lack of history with God, but instead by what Jesus is doing in your life. This is what now brings you together. It doesn't undo everything that's been done, but it is something that is new. Jesus is now what defines you and what pulls you together. And in fact, what you understood about who you once were, that's changed too. Because under the law, God was behind a barrier also. You could not access him, even if you were Jewish. I like to tell like the, the, the folk story is, I don't know how to also describe it, but there's this, that when, when, you know, one day a year, the, uh, the high priest would go in and offer a sacrifice within the Holy of Holies. And I don't know if this is true or not, but there's this folk story that the other priest would tie a rope around his ankle. Because if he went into the Holy of Holies and something had gone wrong with his ceremonial cleansing, then God would strike him dead. And and they didn't want to go in there after him. So they tie, can you imagine, like, you're about to go before God, it's nervous enough, and then someone's like, just stay right there, buddy, just a second. <laughs> All right, rope's tied, let's go. <laughs> go get him. <laughs> because if he died in there, they'd drag him out. God was behind a barrier also. So we need to appreciate the other part of this that Paul is saying. He's saying God is accessible now. And it's not just like the Gentiles have been brought in. He's more accessible to you too. You can now come to God in a way that you haven't been able to come to God before. And get this. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. And he's already talked about the Spirit. What is the Spirit? It is the part of God that does what? It lives in us. 
That separation between us and God is gone. And this is how you know this thing is going to work. And how all of you are now together. Because the Spirit of God is living inside of you. Wrap your mind around that one for a second. This God that you cannot touch or look at. This God that is more than arm's length away from you is now living inside of you. That is a defining characteristic that is bigger than whatever else you think is more important. That is bigger than anything else you think is more important. So here's what you need to know. You need to understand that this thing that is happening amongst you, it's not a Jew and Gentile thing. It's a Jesus thing. And you are becoming something that is entirely new. What does that look like? Starting in verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Now, one, there's two things we need to do in order to appreciate this. Number one is stop thinking about church buildings. Stop it. Bad. Bad you. The second thing you need to consider is the temple. The temple in Jerusalem was the place where God was considered to live. It is where you went to meet him. It's where you took your sacrifices, it's where you went to worship, it's where you did all these things. So the idea of the temple is a big deal. And it's possible that by the time this letter was written, that the temple had already been destroyed and ripped down. So it may not exist anymore at this point. So listen to what he says then. If we think of the temple as being this amazing thing, that was the place where you went to meet God, but not a church building. Let's, let's read this one more time. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Okay, here's the idea that he introduces, right? We are a member of God's what? Household. So, what is this then? It's not a church building. It's a, it's a home. It's a family. And what is it that brings these people together? Well, you're all part of the house. And the house is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, the gospel that was going out, and all this was started by whom? Jesus, who is the cornerstone. Where that stone is placed determines the placement of the rest of the structure. Jesus is the cornerstone. Therefore, he determines what this structure looks like where it's going, what shape it's going to be. That's what his job is in this illustration. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple of the Lord. So, let me get this straight. 
it's, we're now all part of God's house, and the course is set for us by Jesus, and when we come together, it's not a building, it's something is happening amongst all of us where we become something like the temple, which is, again, the place where God lived and the place where his people met him. But it's happening in a completely different way because guess what? It's happening in you. And you, and you, and you, as you come together. It's happening in all of us. As we come together, we are joined together by Jesus. And this is shaped by God. As our lives are changed, as we live with the Spirit inside of us, the very presence of God, as we do all these things together, God is building something in us. The place where He lives and is recognized. How important is unity to Paul? Very. Very. Because Paul doesn't want us to get hung up on the small things that are way less important than Jesus is. Jesus is what does it. Jesus is what makes it possible. Jesus is the one that draws this place together. Jesus is the one that defines who you are. Jesus is the one that has changed everything, that has removed the barriers between people and between people and God. He's done all of these things so that God can do something within us, within this community, within this group. And as you continue to change and be formed and grow, you're going to rise up to be this place where God is worshipped and seen by the whole world. Isn't that better than whether you were circumcised or not? Isn't that better than whatever you think about the Jewish law? Isn't that better than whatever preference or idea you might have? You know, we... Let me just read these three scriptures to you. From 1 Corinthians chapter 12, from Paul. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. From Colossians chapter 3. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Galatians chapter 3, before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. 
So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We started this out by separating ourselves. And sometimes, as I said, that's what Christianity can feel like. Well, I want to be with the mountain, black coffee, dog, truck, savory people. You were almost there, but you went sweet. And that's where we part ways. But here's the truth that God is trying to show us. The division is not between all these little things and preferences. The division was between us, humanity, and God. And if you bring up the next slide, Bonnie. And this is what brought all of us who are out here to God. All of us who are separated from here to there. This was the separation. This was the barrier. And through the cross of Jesus Christ, the barrier between God and us is gone. The barrier between God and us is gone. And we, as a bunch of weird people, who like very specific things, except for Kelly, who wants to choose both of everything. (laughs) It's got to be difficult. We, who get so caught up in our own things, need to remember it is the love of Jesus that brings us together. And it is the love of Jesus alone that defines us. And we are nothing else than those who were once away from God and are now near to him through the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the way that he tore down the barriers, not just between people, God, but between you and us. We are thankful for your spirit, which lives inside of us, your presence here with us, God. We, we are thankful I am thankful for the way that you even care (laughs) to have that kind of relationship with me. Thank you that the cross of Jesus has brought me from being a foreigner to being a part of your household. And I look forward to going there. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to know this God and be encouraged by how much he loves you, if you want to... uh, need prayers or whatever you need this morning. Our elders will be down front here and we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing the song together.